right, so we made it to episode two. Yay, episode two. And we want to say thank you. For the last episode, we had 100 downloads already, so we're really excited about that, and we hope uh, to keep growing our audience and keep growing the listeners and make more friends yeah. and have more people to talk to. That was uh, exciting to see, and it was um, thank you to everyone who said nice things about it, and really appreciate it. Yeah, and all of those who shared on social media as well, I am using the old locomotive account, so many of you are like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that's this? the most brilliant move we've done so far. Um, is reusing this account that I started a long time ago, so a lot of people have long since forgotten about this podcast and have had the pleasant reminder that it exists. And that they subscribe to it at one point or another. <laughs> We are still doing these episode weekly episodes, and we're still, we're still doing good about these that. Week, <laughs> yeah, episode we're still, two. We're still doing we're, it. We're still doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we still feel very good about doing it weekly and not bi-weekly. Yeah, I didn't talk in therapy at all about how I think <laughs> bi-weekly is the only way I'm going to be able to do this, but whatever. <laughs> And our second episode is kind of continuing in the similar space as public art with talking about grants. Yes. And I do, before we get into that, I do want to talk about kind of the trajectory of our episodes and how that's going to manifest over the next few weeks. So we are starting off real strong with kind of teaching moments of how grants work and how public art works. And we're interviewing Roots Arts Collective and Sister. And we are really focusing on Salt Lake City Arts the art community here for like the first month or so, first couple of months. And we're hoping to, in the next few months, be able to structure and find some more uh, community-based topics and interviews that are more playful. Not that art isn't playful, but... Uh, <laughs> well, we're talking so much about just like the mechanics of how some of this stuff happens, like almost in a stuff-you-should-know kind of way. I think we both want to expand more into, like you said, community stuff, just like not necessarily so focused on where we're focusing right now. Like just because this is where we're at right now doesn't mean that's where we're going to pigeonhole ourselves into later on. Yeah, exactly. So when we say community, we mean talking to people about what it's like to put on a music festival or talking to a specific musician who got to go to South by Southwest and how that experience went. And things like that, even some silly stuff. You know, we know a local beer delivery guy that we might want to interview and see what that's like. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that we would like to explore. And we hope that by setting, you know, we want to set the standard that not every episode is going to be specifically about visual art. Uh, we will have a range and hop around. And we hope that you hop around with us because it's going to be fun. It will be fun. I won't do it if it's not fun. <laughs> it's in my writer that it must be fun. <laughs> so diving into this next episode with Susan, we did title... What did we title this? Uh, I don't know. Making, making a... art on the government's Gover dime. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I mean, we felt it was a really fun idea when we titled it, but do we still feel like that's a cool title? <laughs> um, I'll stand by it. Oh, I okay. um, Until someone criticizes it, then I'll back down. Okay, great. Yeah, until we get some angry emails, then we'll probably be like, yeah, we're we're new. It was our second episode. We were feeling... It was funny that I we were bouncing episode titles back and forth, and you were like, how is that offensive? And 
I was like, I don't know. Just like we have to be in this mindset of like, what are we saying? And could that be offensive? Yeah. Well, you came up with a, like a nursery rhyme for the title. of That's recently. a, it, but that's just a saying. I didn't come up with it. I make a dollar. Boss makes a dime. That's why I poop on company time. Oh, okay. So we, okay. you know, that's why I X on company time. Oh, I, I think see. it is usually poop though. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I don't want to talk about poop. Um, yeah, it took two episodes for you to go there. <laughs> Yes, so this episode is about making money, or making art, (laughs) (laughs) making money on the government's money. Um, No, making art on the government's dime, and yeah, that is a harsh way of saying, basically, apply for grants, and then the government can pay for your project. Um, State, city government, basically, um, was what we're talking about specifically here. So, the purpose behind this episode is to give artists an understanding on how to prepare and apply for grants what types of grants are available, and how the arts grants system works. We, in putting this episode together, we did it with the hopes of creating a kind of concise guide or like an early starting point for how an amateur or burgeoning artist could steer their work and portfolio toward grant eligibility and in turn help them transition from, you know, that amateur space to more of a professional artist or even just paid, to getting paid for the work that you're doing. We hope that listeners can gain a clear understanding on what the process might look like for a first-time applicant. And in our talk with our guest today, Susan Campbell, you'll learn how to apply for an arts grant, who is behind the screening and judging process, how to revise your application before submission, how much funding is available and where it comes from, and also some rookie mistakes to avoid. So, should we dive into it? Yeah, let's dive in. Let's go! Susan Campbell. What's the, what do they do in Blue's Clues where they um, skidoo somewhere? Yeah, they skidoo. What is, what do they say? Um, Let me look it up. Is a common uh, action used by Blue and Steve. And Joe, but you know, not originally. Yeah. Um, all right. Blue skidoo, we can too. That's all they say. That's it. Uh, yeah, but I think maybe Steve had a little bit more finesse. <laughs> There's some lore here that's concerning. So yeah, Blue skidoo... Susan Campbell too. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, let's listen to our interview with Susan Campbell. My name is Susan Campbell, and I am the Community Investment and Development Manager for the Salt Lake State Arts Council. My pronouns are she, her. And the big responsibilities I have with the Arts Council are administering the grants program. So that's um, being able to help fund artists and then also writing grants for the Arts Council for our programs, such as Living Traditions and Mondays in the Park and our Twilight series. So I write grants to other foundations and to the National Endowment for the Arts to receive funding for the Salt Lake City Arts Council to be able to put on those programs. Um, I believe all of our programming, with the exception of Twilight, are free events to the public. So having been involved with the Arts Administration for over a decade in your career, what are the biggest obstacles you've seen artists face as far as taking their status from amateur artist to professional artist? So I think there's three components that sort of keep people more towards the amateur or at least the practicing when they have time. 
one of them is confidence. Some artists are extremely confident and, you know, they're able to put themselves out there, but some of them just lack the confidence in their art form to be able to move on to that next level. The other two are sort of linked. Um, so funding, being able to afford to practice your art and the time to be able to do it because many artists, as you probably know, work multiple jobs. So it's really figuring out how they can get funding and make the time to move that next step forward. With funding, as you mentioned, arts grants can really help artists out. So how have you seen arts grants play within that transition? One of the things that some artists don't realize as they're writing a grant is that the grant is, it can be used to pay yourself for the time you're doing the work on the project being able to use those funds to pay themselves to take time off from their non-arts related job to be able to create art or practice or whatever it is that they need to do in order to be able to become an artist. So in that sense, it's kind of like a stipend in some ways to like just help you afford your what you need to do to, in order to continue doing art. Yes, in in a way, um, a lot of our grants are related to a project. So there needs to be an outcome of practicing your art. So some sort of showcase performance um, art exhibit. What are some examples of your favorite uh, showcases or exhibits that have come from the grants within your program? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, there's, there's such a variety. Um, we have, you know, theater, dance, music, um, and then many ways in which visual arts show up. I'm more on the performance side of things. So I apologize to your listeners if they're visual artists, but I might focus a little more on the performing side as I talk. I try not to. I try to be unbiased. I really like the combination of the art with some sort of current issue. So using art, which it's always been used to um, help move the the world forward in, you know, digesting difficult issues. So that connection between an issue that's going on and the art as a way to express it, to heal, those are always the most impactful, it seems, and do the best on grant review committees. Well, you're also a musician. You you play the flute, correct? <laughs> yes, I do. Have you ever experienced or used a grant to further along and help your career? Um, not for me personally. Prior to working for the Arts Council, I was the executive director of a nonprofit chamber music ensemble in Ogden. And I, I wrote many grants. So from the other side of the coin to help our organization or to help the organization be able to put on those performances at low cost. I, they're, they're really critical for organizations and individuals. So how does the artist grant system work and how many grants are available annually? So the Arts Council has a budget of about $380,000 per year. And those are city funds that are allocated to the Arts Council to award out to organizations and individuals. We focus on Salt Lake City. So we're, we're very particular that an organization or an event needs to take place within the city boundaries. That's where the funds come from. But you are asking about what they're used for. Typically, 
for individual artists, it's about a project. So some sort of goal that they have to do a performance, to create a body of work to exhibit at um, a gallery or painting a mural, doing a sculpture that is out in the public sphere, so not a private work of art. So the funds go towards buying the supplies for those projects, paying for rehearsal space or for the art space for those people. Perfect. Thank you. So I guess we're trying to also get a look on like how the system works. I I guess, is there like a way or is there a curation process for like a type of grant for a type of performance or a type of artist? And um, is there a committee that decides on what the parameters are that, you know, the artist is going to go and, and try to work within? I'm imagining like those schoolhouse rock videos of how a bill gets made, except for a grant. <laughs> I want to start singing, but I'm a horrible singer um, <laughs> about how to make a bill. So the process is we have project support grants, which are open to individual artists twice a year. The range of funds sort of varies depending on how much we have allocated for that particular grant process at the time. So usually the cap is somewhere around the $5,000 mark. So you have a project idea that, you know, say you're a solo flutist and you want to give a concert related to female composers and you want to discuss, you know, the aspects that most composers celebrated are male and And so you have this idea that is the crucial part. You have a project that you want to do. And then you you can sign up for our newsletter or go to saltlakearts.org slash grants. And you can find out when our grant applications are open. And the guidelines are listed there. The main requirements are that the project takes place in Salt Lake City. So you don't have to be a Salt Lake City resident. You can live in Mill Creek and um, as long as your performance is, your performance or your art exhibit is going to happen in Salt Lake, you can apply for the grant. And um, there's a bunch of questions about your project. Um, who do you want to reach with your project? Why are you doing your project? So it's really having that that idea of I want to share my art and I want to, and this is the reason why. And I think the public would benefit from this. Basically, you can just have your own idea and then apply and then communicate that idea to the council. But there aren't any like grants that are like, this is specifically for this type of, let's say, public art or something like that. Is It's more of just kind of like an open call is, is what I'm understanding. Yeah, exactly. The grants program is very different from, you know, public art. You know, we we just say, hey, we want projects to take place within Salt Lake City. We want our city to be vibrant. We want our artists working, expressing their ideas. And so you come to us with your project and you apply. I have a feeling your next question might be about who is reviewing the grants. Am I right? So our review committee is, we. the Arts Council has a board of directors. They are city appointed. Anyone with living within Salt Lake City can apply to be part of the Arts Council board. And we look for a wide variety of demographics for who is on the board. We have representation from each city district. There are seven, in case you didn't know that. I wouldn't have known that without working 
for the Arts Council. There are seven different districts and we have representation from each of those districts. And so there, it's about a 15 person board, depending on who is sliding off and who is coming on. And out of that, about a third of them, so five of those board members um, make up the grants committee. And those five members become very familiar with the guidelines. So the guidelines are like your rules of who can apply and what you need to put in your application. They review those guidelines and become very familiar with them. And then they read through all of the grant applications and they score them. And part of the guidelines that we provide on our website, we also give you the rubric. So sort of the grading um, rules for the grant. So you can look through it and see, you know, hey, they're going to score my project description is going to be worth 10 points out of 100. So I need to make sure that my my project description is really solid so I can get all 10 points. So we try to be as transparent as possible. And we're also really accessible. So you can email and give me a call. And I'm happy to answer questions that anybody has about a grant. You know, they don't understand the question. They don't know how to put together a budget. They want to know which project sounds like a better fit for the arts grants. You know, I'm happy to listen and give not direct feedback, but, you know, fair and equitable feedback. I think I'm familiar with also that the fact that y'all do kind of like meetings for artists that are interested in applying for grants to kind of offer space for applicants, for potential applicants to kind of pick your brain. Is that something that you do regularly or is it just dependent on the grant or just availability in general? We we do do an orientation session where we go over the guidelines and say, you know, this is what type of grant this is. Here's who can apply And at the end of those sessions, or, you know, here's the dates that the grant is open. And at the end of that session, we do open it up to questions. And we also have an app on the grants page where you can sign up for a 30 minute session with myself or somebody else on the staff to answer any questions you would have. I have a question. Yes. Um, What does the timeline for this typically look like? Usually the grants are open in the spring. So April, May timeframe, um, that's our first round of um, project grants for individual artists. And then the second grant ends up being in October. You have, depending on whether you apply in round one, in round one, you have a full year to complete your project. If you apply in round two, you only have about six months to complete the project. So Yeah. And the grants are open for about 30 days. So you have 30 days to mull over your responses, to have friends read over your grant and make sure it makes sense and asking questions. And then the the review process also takes about a month because there's a lot of grants for our committee to review. That's interesting. What I'm curious what the reasoning is behind um, having like a round two with a shorter time period associated with it. Well, we found that some artists... Well, when they don't find out about the grants program until like towards the end of round one, they they don't have enough time to put together the project. Other things are, you know, artists are are constantly working on projects. I don't know if you have any friends that are just constantly thinking, oh, that would be a really great idea for a project. And so it's for those those friends who 
you know, get into June and they're like, oh, I want to do something related to this. And then they have the opportunity to apply in that second round. That's actually, that's really great to hear because I do feel like there's in, in the mind of an artist, you're constantly inspired and you you might not be inspired in the right time frame that you're supposed to be inspired to apply for a grant. Uh, we would like to get a sense of if an artist were to prepare like a kit for their application, or maybe they're not ready for this like grant season or timeline, and they want to get the kit ready for like the next one, what would go into that kit? So organizations have missions. And I think artists, when they dig deep, some of them know what their their mission is as an artist. But if you don't, if you if you think about you know, what are the projects I've done? What is important to me to be expressing through my art? So coming up with a personal mission statement related to your art, it will help you solidify when you're talking about why is this important for the community? So having having that personal mission, I think is one of the keys. Talking to people who have experienced your art, your performances, or um, walked through your show and getting their feedback and um, capturing some statements from them about why why your art is important to them, what what they experienced will help not only direct how you talk about your art, but I think it can also inspire you more to see, you know, what other people are pulling out of your art. And that'll also help with you know, crafting your next project and talking about why the community finds your artwork important. So I think those are two really key elements to, to be thinking about and to, to document and keep for yourself. I think you talked about this a little bit in terms of artists, um, confidence being a really important factor, but what are some rookie mistakes you see from applicants in the past that are easy to get over, but something that people might not consider going in? Too little detail. So when you're talking about your project, assume that if you're a visual artist, that you're going to be writing the grant for a performer and that they just might need a little bit of help knowing what exactly you do um, and vice versa. If you're a performer, it might be reviewed by a visual artist. So really giving a clear description of your project and trying to be as detailed as possible because when you submit a grant and you're like, I want to do a performance related to something and you don't have any details, the review committee is looking at that project going, do they know what they're talking about? Do they do they know what direction to go if they're given this, these funds? And so always, always give more detail for your project. And I recommend you know, having a friend who is not an artist and definitely not an artist within your, your practice, your field, read that grant and ask questions to you, you know, are, do they understand what you're trying to do? Because if, if they don't understand it more than likely, at least part of the review committee is also going to be confused by that project. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's that component of needing to also be a very talented writer when you're (laughs) applying for grants, as well as being a talented artist. And I feel like that is even I've heard some artists say that they've gotten help from writers to help get that detail out and to further increase their chances of communicating their idea 
Yeah. And you don't have to be a, a skilled writer. You don't need to be have an English degree in order to write a grant, but you do need to be detailed. And sometimes that comes from friends reading it and saying, well, how are you going to get from this step to this step? And you're like, oh, there's missing detail there and just laying it out. So all that stuff is in our head. We just need to get communicated out onto the paper. I bet that's exceptionally challenging for like abstract ideas. I always have a hard time when I'm trying to tell Parker or a friend of an idea of a, I have for a piece. They're just like, I don't get it. I'll just see it when it's done. <laughs> so I would imagine that, especially for when you're trying to describe something for a grant specifically, it could be challenging, but it is possible. We want to encourage artists and let them know that it is possible and that these resources are out there for them. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, if you're, if your projects tend to be abstract, having that input of other projects that you've done and the impact they've had on the audience, you know, that can help bump that impact section, even if the project description is more abstract. We also always have the opportunity to provide um, visual elements. Usually it's just one document but you're able to upload information on previous performances or artwork that you've done. And depending on the review committee, a lot of panelists love to see that and just see the quality of the work done. It really helps to boost the application in general. Is there anything else you'd like to share with artists who are considering applying to grants? I think if you have questions, reach out to us, you know, and I'm speaking not just from the Salt Lake City Arts Council, you know, if you're applying for something at the Utah Division of Arts and Museums, reach out to them. They're really great people. We have funds and we want them to go out to the artists. We want the artists to be doing projects. We want new projects. We want new artists applying for these. Yes, it makes the it more competitive, but that it adds to the vibrancy of the city so please reach out to us with questions and, you know, consider applying, you know, just just take that next step and see what happens. I love that. And just to remind our audiences, uh, where can they reach out? SaltLakeArts.org is our website. And then I have a grants um, email address that is artsgrants at slcgov. Dot com. So it's both of those words have S's at the end of them, arts grants at slcgov.com. Thank you so much, Susan, for meeting with us today and recording this interview. Uh, Thank look, you so much. We look forward to hopefully being able to field a lot of questions from our audiences and uh, hopefully they reach out to you as well. Thanks, Bianca. Have a great Thanks, day. Susan. Bye. Bye. You too. So that was our conversation with Susan Campbell of the Salt Lake City Arts Council. I learned a lot. Did you learn a lot? I learned a lot. Yeah, that was very informative. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the winners that have people who received grants over the years, where we're at in the current grant awarding timeline, and then talk about some of the stuff that we felt like was notably important from um, our discussion with Susan. We took a look into last year's um, grant recipients, and so there 
uh, quite a few different grants. You know, there's a general support grant. There is general support, project, project support, support yeah, mm-hmm. artists in the classroom, etc. Um, there's a second round for project report support. As you heard in the episode, there are a couple rounds for grants just in case artists miss the first one. Um, they split it up in two sections so that everybody gets an opportunity to apply throughout the year. Uh, there are also racial equity and inclusion grants and performing art grants, artist career empowerment grants. There's there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, there's specifically seven. Um, but, but, <laughs> so many. <laughs> but there, but you know, it's not like each of them are just going to one person. You know, like some of these go to to multiple people. Um, so they've got a good amount of money, and like when you look at who's actually receiving the grants. It is mostly organizations, like lots of groups that people are probably familiar with. Like, like KRCL, Plan B Theater, Theater Company, Ballet West, Bad Art Dog Access, Arts. The Mundy Project, Tory House Press, Utah Arts Alliance. Utah Symphony. Yeah, lots of Utah organizations. You know, Leonardo I'm lo- Museum. I'm looking at these and I'm like, I would never guess that they would need to apply for grants. There's well, some that I'm like, yeah, but there's some that I'm just like, really? I mean, my understanding is that a lot of these places... I mean, okay, so this is a question, I guess, I have that I would like to answer in further episodes is, you know, what percentage of grants does... um, makes up these organizations' budget? And I would guess that this is, like, one small piece of a very large grants Mm. pie that they are all counting on each Mm -hmm. year. I kind of really like the... this Artists in the Classroom section. I'm not sure if we even talked about it in the interview, but... It's for people to go teach at, like, elementary schools, for example, like Bad Dog Arts teaching at Mountain View Elementary. These are grants to help fund programs that are teaching arts to the youth. Yeah, like when I worked as an after-school coordinator or group leader for Salt Lake City School District, we would have Clever Octopus come in and do arts and crafts with us. So I imagine this is that similar kind of thing where it's like, we have a budget um to to pay for them but that probably doesn't like pay for what they actually need to be paid in order to provide the service so it seems like this maybe helps close the gap that's a guess for me i don't actually know the financials but i don't know um it's interesting to like look at this information and kind of piece together my experiences with these organizations and what i know about them already and then what we've just learned yeah clever octopus is on this list too as a grantee we're looking at the 2020 2022 to 2023 grantees right now Mm -hmm. and this is all available online you're able to see who was granted how much etc one thing that we don't get to see really is what projects specifically it's funding and maybe we're looking in the wrong spot but we would like to maybe be able to see that because in the conversation that we had with Susan, it was very much about forming your application to follow a specific project and really getting the details down of that project and what your vision is and why it's impactful, etc. But we're not, I'm not yeah. seeing the other side. Yeah, here. I'm not seeing publicly available information for the, for what, the grant money has actually been used for by these organizations that may be buried somewhere. But yeah, looking at the application questions, like I can totally see what Susan was talking about as far as being detailed, because there are so many different sections. Like this is pretty, this is a pretty robust application. So you have like your applicant information, 
which is just like identity information, then project details, then also project description, then work samples, then a community description, like how is this valuable to the community? Mm-hmm. Who is your audience? Questions about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then, you know, you just kind of have to have everything planned out. Like, is there a cost to participate? What are you actually asking for? What district are you in? What is the discipline of your project? Like, as far as, is it like literary arts, music, opera, like what artistic discipline? It it would be cool to know where this grant money goes. And also, we've noticed that it's mostly going toward organizations or groups. Um, And it seems like peppered throughout here, there are individuals who have received some money. Um, it's kind of hard to say without knowing if that's uh, knowing who these people are, but um, it would be cool to see more individual artists receive some of this money because it seems like there's a lot of it to go around. And I even see this rubric, and I'm like, I think this for artists is just a good exercise to fill out this rubric to really flesh out a project, whether or not you're going to turn it in. It really helps in structuring maybe a show, structuring an exhibition, something like that. This is information that is helpful to have anyway in your back pocket. Yeah. I think similar to how we were saying with um, if you're applying to do like a public art project, this I think would be good. I I really like that you said whether or not you turn it in. Like I, (laughs) I would use this as a rubric just for like any project I had. I think it would really help me hone my vision. Yeah, where can we find this rubric again? So if you go to saltlakearts.org slash grants, you can scroll to the bottom um, and look at previous year grantees. And then also, if you click through any of these grants that are available here under their more information sections, then you can see the guidelines and the application questions. And you can also see how much they award. Um, So they go from anywhere from like $100 to $500 to... Ten thousand um, dollars. When we're looking at the people who've received organizations and people who've received grants, it looks like it tends to be between like two thousand to like maybe nine or eight thousand. It seems pretty rarely over ten thousand or even up to ten thousand. At least in the last year, um, mm-hmm. the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two year has a couple that are higher. But yeah, it's mostly like within that thousand to nine thousand dollar range. Yeah, and if the Salt Lake City Uh, Arts Council program here is following the same pattern as last year. Grants for this year should be opening up in March. Yeah. That's when they opened up in 2022. Um, But remember, there's also that second phase. Right. Yeah. So. So this initial opening, spring 2023, sounds like March. So one of the things that I really liked, uh, one point advice that I really liked that Susan shared with us was that before you turn in your application is to have an art non-artist friend look over your application and make sure that it makes sense. Because one of the things, one of the rookie mistakes that people often make are is not including enough detail on your project. Yeah. Something she mentioned was, you know, like have someone read this and be like, how do you get from point A to point B? And mm-hmm. make sure that the person reading it could understand exactly how that happens. When you're writing something out, there's so many little things that it's easy to assume someone else understands is implied and you can't do that. I think that's why specifically it's important to have someone who isn't an artist, maybe someone who totally is outside of that world, read it and be able to understand it objectively. But I also think an artist friend reading it is also a good play, but yeah, having a not, yeah, I would say do both. 
Another thing I thought was useful was that she pointed out that, like, keep in mind that your application is going to be reviewed by somebody whose background is in, like, performing arts or visual arts. So if you're coming from a different discipline, you need to spell some of this stuff out. <laughs> Did it sound like I was going to say more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that thought was over. Um, what else do we think was interesting? Well, also, you know, I think this is just useful to have in general, no matter what is a really fleshed out mission statement and and specifically articulating in your mission statement how your work affects other people, how it will work affect the community. So you're writing, that is one of the questions, is write the mission statement for this piece, for this project, but be able to say, you know, I'm doing A, B, and C, and these are the needs that A, B, and C are going to fulfill, mm-hmm. and this is why only I can do it. Which, again, I think is why doing this even as a, like, going through this application process, even just as an exercise, would be very beneficial because having the ability as an artist to just sort of, like, rattle off your mission statement and all of these things about your the way you're approaching your art, the way your art exists in the community, I feel like that gives you a strong elevator pitch to always have in your back pocket. So I think one last thing is if anybody can share with us maybe some of the projects that the grant money specifically has helped manifest and or maybe direct point us in the direction of where we can find that information but i think it'd be nice to see yeah i mean i think it probably just becomes on us to talk to these grantees and say like what do you do with this money (laughs) like how did this help you maybe maybe talking to some people who have gone through this process Maybe some of these like smaller groups or people who seem like they might just be individuals. But it's been cool to see like and digest through all this publicly available information and talk to Susan and yeah, just like I've learned so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Susan. Thank Again. you, Susan. So if you have any more questions about how to apply, what the process looks like, and anything that you would need, email the development manager, which is Susan Campbell at artsgrants at slcgov.com. That is A-R-T-S-G-R-A-N-T-S at slcgov.com. And she will be able to answer any questions that you may have. Yeah, Susan's super nice. Susan's so nice. And she plays the flute. The flute. We should have asked her to play for us. (laughs) We should have. She did almost offer to sing, so that, you know, almost got a show. Yeah, so as far as Locomotive goes, if you have any story ideas or any pitches or concerns or corrections or just want to say hi, please email us at locomotiveslc at gmail.com. Visit our site, locomotivepodcast.com, and we are streaming on all most some of the platforms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seems like the ones that you'd want were on them yeah even podcast index i don't know what that is i've never heard podcasts off of that but we're on there and we're happy to be so yeah blessed well thank you for listening to this episode and we will see you next time see you next time <laughs>